How often do you share the gospel? I asked my 18-year-old daughter that question, and I got a pretty interesting look. (laughs) You know, it was that feeling a little guilty look because I'm the pastor's kid, and I'm supposed to do that, but I don't really do that. Uh, That's the look that, that I got. I asked someone else in our church, how often do you share the gospel? Uh, His response was, well, I mostly hang out with Christians, so I don't need to share the gospel. (laughs) Um, I also asked the question, you know, what what do you picture when you you think about sharing the gospel? And I love my daughter's response to that. An awkward conversation. It's weird, sharing the gospel. But I presume that she is not different than many Christians that many feel a little awkward, a little, little, little bit like it's not natural to share the gospel. And what does that exactly mean? So maybe you're in that uh, boat today. Uh, maybe um, this message will be encouraging to you, sharing the gospel. Maybe you are going to walk away from here thinking, uh, I don't care what you say today, I think it's your job, Pastor, to share the gospel. All right? I invite him to church, you do the rest. I think there's a lot of people that think that. But what if I stand here and tell you, well, I'm going to defer to the evangelists. It's their job to share the gospel. People like Franklin Graham and Ray Comfort and uh, Kurt Cameron. I'm just too busy shepherding, teaching. I don't have time to share the gospel. Well... We're just passing on the excuse, passing the buck, right? Like Adam and Eve. Uh, No, we don't need to do that. We shouldn't do that. Why do most Christians make excuses for sharing the gospel? Why do they make an excuse instead of doing it? I think one of the biggest reasons is fear. It's fear that somebody's going to ask you a question that you can't answer. Does that sound familiar? I hear that a lot. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Newsflash, I guarantee they're going to ask you a question you won't know the answer to. It's a given. It's a guarantee because most of the time, people don't even ask the right question. For example, I was just asked from somebody in our church, like, I got asked this question. I don't know how to answer it. What do I do? And see, that's what you do. Basically, if you don't know the answer to the question, you ask pastor, you ask somebody in the church, and they help you. I know there's lots of things I don't know. But I was asked this question, or they were asked this question and passed it on to me. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's the wrong question. The Bible says there are no good people. No one is righteous, not even one. The right question is, why do good things happen to bad people? And the answer is God's grace and the gospel. So a lot of times we have to reframe the question and help them ask the right question. But here's the thing. My job is not to share the gospel only. It's your job. In fact, my job, if you want my job description, you won't see it posted on the website, but you will see it in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Right up here on the screen. God gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave shepherds, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? 
you are. Everybody raise your hand and say, I am. That's right. Who equips you? I do. That's right. My job is to equip you. Your job is to do the work of the ministry, which means you are supposed to share the gospel. You are supposed to help others take that big step into walking with God. Some of you maybe haven't taken that step yourself yet. So, I have a class. Step one in the five steps that we have here starting this fall. Step one is the starting point. Many of us have different starting points, different God experiences, different stories, and we need to share those stories. And in the step one class, starting point coming in October and November, I encourage you to sign up for that and be a part of that. Um, you can visit our Compass page. Connie talked about our Compass page. It's kind of like if you want to know what's going on around here, go to the Compass page on our website. You can register there for step one. You can also text. We're big into texting keywords, step one, and you can sign up for it. But it's all about the gospel. But it's a dialogue in the class up here today. It's a monologue. So you don't get to ask questions. You don't get to tell a little bit about your story. That's what we do in the class. But today, it's all about the gospel, and I'm going to answer seven questions about sharing the gospel. You know the seven questions that you learned in English class? Who, what, where, when, why, how? Right? You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to dive in. I'm going to answer them, and I'm going to go probably quickly, probably too quickly for you to follow along in your Bible. The screen, it'll come up on the screen because I have a lot of passages I did a lot of work to get those up on the screen uh, for you. It uh, took longer than usual. But it's important for you to see, um, I think, the answer to those questions coming from God, not me. I don't know if you've ever heard a, a sermon before or a message before where there's a couple Bible verses thrown in to what the pastor thinks. That's not how we roll here, okay? The pastor doesn't think. He studies and he responds with the Word of God. And so I'm answering you with the Word of God, the questions. So if you're ready, say, we ready? ready. Yes, I love it. You found your way here. Congratulations on finding a parking spot, by the way. <laughs> Good job. I know. There is no spots in the parking lot. You had to park all around, but you got here. Number one question. Who should share the gospel? Who should share the gospel? Kind of alluding to it earlier. Well, Mark 16, 15. These are Jesus' words. Jesus said, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Was Jesus just talking to the 12 disciples when he said those things? If he was, we wouldn't have Christianity today, would we? There wouldn't be 2.6 billion Christians in the world. So he must have been talking about all disciples, all Christians. Therefore, 
It's all of our responsibility to share the gospel. If you agree, say amen. amen. If you don't agree, see me after class. <laughs> Number two, what is the gospel? Number two, what is the gospel? The what? Well, the word gospel means, you know it, good news. That's right. That's the direct literal meaning of the gospel. Good news. What is the good news, though? Good news that the Lions are going to be winning today? I mean, what's the good news? The good news is God loves you. And he has a plan for you. John 3.16, we sang about it this morning. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, separation from God, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God's love for us, for you, is evident throughout the Bible. The Bible reveals God's redemption plan, God redeeming us. Adam and Eve sinned. God had a plan before they even did that. When you read the Old Testament, you see it's the Old Covenant. Testament means covenant, it means promise. There's an old promise in there. The promise is to redeem us. When you read the New Testament, the promise is fulfilled. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us. God's love for you. That's the good news. He fulfilled it. Probably the best way to explain it is with a simple picture. Here's the picture. We're on the left. There's a great big gap between us and God because of our sin. But the bridge is the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be redeemed, so that your sins could be forgiven. That's how much God loves you. That's the gospel. And it's a gift. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says it beautifully. For by the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works. No one can boast. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the only way to heaven. The way to heaven, the path, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's where every Christian needs to start. That's our starting point. That's our first step with God, your justification. But it's not your only step. You've got to follow Jesus. You've got to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and walk with him. That's holiness. That's sanctification, and that's a lifelong process. Has anybody uh, reached glorification yet in the house? Anyone? Anybody gotten there yet? No? We're all, okay, we're all in the same boat then. We're all being sanctified, amen? Third question, where do you share the gospel? Well, the simple answer is everywhere. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Global, global Everywhere. But let's look closely at the very first word, go. Because a lot of times people think, well, if I'm going to share the gospel, that means I must sign up for a mission trip. 
That's not what he says there. In fact, my old pastor said to us and taught us that go really means as you go. As you live your life, make disciples. As you go, wherever you go. And as you probably know, disciples are not made overnight. It is the process of God transforming you. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, I asked you to memorize a verse. Or at least write it down and read it every day. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I've been practicing it. Have you been practicing it? 2 Corinthians 3.18. I mean, what does it take to get you to pick up a pen and write that down? I mean, I'm kidding. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You can do that, right? You can memorize that, because in that one verse is some beautiful theology, some beautiful truths that you, that we all, have an unfading glory, not like Moses, who had to veil his face because his glory was fading. When he was in the presence of God and he walked away, the glory faded away, but not you, not us, not when we have the Spirit inside of us. The glory surpasses that. And that comes from the Lord as we live for Him, as we are transformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So, where do you share the gospel? Everywhere you go, wherever you go, we share the gospel. And um, we make disciples as we go. But you might be thinking, okay, I could share the gospel in some situations. My neighbor is a real jerk. I definitely will share the gospel with him. All right? I, get, I can do that. Um, but I can't share the gospel at my work. I'll get fired. I know some of us might think that way. Listen, I worked in the public schools for 16 years. And there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, which is totally misunderstood, by the way. And I would talk with other teachers and find out that they are Christian teachers, and I would encourage them. By the way, I did go into um, the public schools as a teacher, not because I loved math, even though I say it, you know, I, I talk about math a lot, and I don't mind it. I went in there because that was my mission field. That was my calling. It was a second career. When the Lord calls, you go. And the Lord called me into the public school to be a missionary. And I thought I would be a missionary mostly to the students. It turns out I was a missionary a lot to the teachers. And I would encourage them. And some of them were afraid to talk about their faith. Uh, they felt like, oh, if I, how do I share the gospel? I can't do that with my students. I'll, I, I can't do that. But St. Francis of Assisi said something that's really, really great. St. Francis of Assisi said, share your testimony and use words if necessary. We share our testimony, we share the gospel with the life that we live. How we live our life. I just posted on social media this week, worldliness makes sin, sin seem normal. Worldliness, the way our world is today, makes sin seem very normal. And righteous living, very weird. So if you're living righteously, guess what? 
you're the weird kid at the lunch table. You're the kid eating liverwurst and mustard sandwiches on white bread. Yeah, I had some of those growing up. But listen, I didn't walk into my classroom and say that the lesson for today is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, not quadratic equations. I didn't do that. But I lived out my faith. And my students caught on real quick that this is a man of faith. He's a different than some of my other teachers and my friends and, and, and others I know. He's different. And they would ask me questions, and I was happy to answer them. Because if they ask you, you answer. And I answered with appropriate Bible verses. And I answered loudly so everyone could hear. I was not afraid to share my faith. So as you go, wherever you go, we share the gospel. Fourth question. When, when do you share the gospel? When you see there's a need. You know, I know that some people are called and they share the gospel like whenever. Like, I mean, they'll, they'll do it anywhere, any, anytime. But I think it's, it's best to share the gospel when you see there is a need. When you see there's a need. I remember a long time ago I was asked to speak at uh, Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan has a meeting every year in Lansing, and I was asked to share my testimony at a breakfast they had for Christian coaches. So I brought along a friend, a young guy, and uh, I, I wanted him to hear my testimony. He had never heard my testimony, and I wanted to share that. And so we went there, I shared, and on the ride home, I asked him, I said, so do you think you might want to surrender your life to Christ like I did? And he said, he kind of thought about it, and he said, I don't really feel like I need to. Like, I'm pretty satisfied with life, things are going good, and I, I don't really need to. And I think that's the reality of a lot of people. I think they don't see the need. And so if you try to talk to them about Jesus and tell them they need Jesus and they don't see a need, well, you, you, your words are going to fall on deaf ears, aren't they? So when there is a need, and let me tell you, don't give up on anybody because just like that, Right? Snap of a finger, life can change. And that person who didn't have a need for Jesus might automatically, in a heartbeat, have a need. What does it take for a person to need God? I think the answer is revelation. I think God has to do something in a person's heart for them to want to even seek God. I think Scripture bears that out. Acts 16, I want you to see this. In Acts 16, the Apostle Paul and his uh, followers, these young men that were following him, and, and they were serving, and they were sharing the gospel all around the Mediterranean Sea. They were visiting the major cities. And as they got to this one city, on the Sabbath day, they went out to the gate, to the riverside, where they supposed there might be a place of prayer. They probably asked in the city, you know, where does everybody gather together? Where's the place of prayer? And we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together there. Verse 14, one who heard us talking was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She was a seller of purple goods. She worshiped God. And look what it says next. As Paul talked, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And from that, she was baptized, her whole household, 
And she urged Paul and the guys, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. That's Luke writing. I love that because some women can be very, very demanding. (laughs) You're coming to my house for dinner. She loved them. But it was God who opened her heart to need Jesus. When you see someone in need, it's time to share the gospel. They might ask you a question about your faith. They might say, hey, where do you go to church again? Where where is that? They might ask you a spiritual question. Those are indications God is at work in them. Share the gospel with them. They have a spiritual hunger. They need Jesus. Talk to them. You're the chef with the best recipe. Give it to them. You should also look for people who are really struggling. They may not realize that they need Jesus, but they're struggling. And if you're looking for people who are struggling, you won't have to look far. Mental health is on the decline these days. Many have a need. Many are suffering from anxiety. Many are lonely. Many have a lack of peace in their life. They don't have purpose in their life. That's what drew me to the Lord, no purpose. And that's where you step in and you share what your struggle is and how God helped you overcome it. I I feel like God has a way of using your struggle to alert you to others with the same struggle. Is that not true? Does God not draw you? Do those people not get drawn to you? It's It's like a magnet, man. You guys are like, oh, you're struggling with that? I struggled with that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you how He helped me overcome, how He filled that void in my life. You share your story, and woven into that story is His story. Because, remember, our story is part of His story for His glory. Our story has to be shared with His story for His glory. Remember when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in John 4? If you've never read that story before, go read John 4 today, later on. The story goes like this. Jesus was tired. They were walking, traveling from Jerusalem back to Galilee, and they stopped off in Samaria. And this woman came out to to get water at the well by herself. This was uncommon. Women usually would go get the water together. She was by herself. He asked her for a drink of water. His disciples went into town to get some food. And it was just them two. Not supposed to happen. Guys not supposed to talk to girls in that culture. It just wasn't the right thing. She was uh, Samaritan. He was Jewish. They don't racially not getting along. He asked her for a drink of water. She sarcastically says no. Imagine that. I mean, she's up in heaven going, I can't believe I said no to Jesus. <laughs> what was I thinking? But she says no. Jesus then offers her living water. Water and you'll never be thirsty again. Well, he's talking spiritually now. She doesn't quite get it. She's being still sarcastic. Well, then he says something that literally opened up the biggest emotional wound in her life. He said, how about those five husbands of yours that you had? This woman had five failed marriages. Her love life was a mess. Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, come on. That's harsh. But he did it to get her attention so he could speak the truth in love and give her hope. This woman had a tremendous need. 
She kept trying to fill it with men. She kept trying to find another man that's going to make her happy. And it never worked. Because she needed Jesus. She didn't have him. And he offered her hope. And that's when. When you share the gospel. When you see someone with a need and you give them the hope that comes from the gospel. That's when. Question number five. Why share the gospel? Why share the gospel? Because God uses the gospel to bring us to Christ. God uses the gospel to bring us from darkness into light. That's why. That's why. We've got to share the gospel. Romans 10 tells us this very thing I'm saying. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they going to call on Jesus if they don't believe? Well, how can they believe unless they hear of him? How are they to hear unless someone tells them, preaches to them? How are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The good news, the gospel. Sharing the gospel is what opens a person's eyes to the way, the truth, and the life. When you share the gospel, when you share your story with his story, that's what opens people's eyes. That's how people get saved, and that's how people avoid condemnation. This is what Mark says in 16.6. Well, this is what Jesus said. Mark recorded it. Whoever believes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So if you see a friend that, let's just say, you're, you're driving with your friend, and you're going down this road, kind of uncharted, you don't know where you're at, and you see the sign, but your friend who's driving doesn't see the sign, the sign says, stop, turn around, the bridge is out ahead. Are you just going to sit there and not say anything? No, you're going to say something. You're going to urge them, please stop, turn around, the bridge is out ahead, because you want them to be saved. Well, Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's why we share the gospel. To help people avoid condemnation and be saved. Simple answer. Six, how do you share the gospel? How do you share the gospel? Well, I kind of already told you, you weave your story with, with his story. Um, it's the most natural It doesn't feel weird. It's not an awkward conversation. But when you share his story, I mean, it's nice to know some verses to kind of guide you along. There's a really great way to remember the Romans road. In the book of Romans, there are some key verses that you can memorize. If you want to know them, email me, or you can probably do a quick online search of the Romans road verses, and you'll see Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, 6.23, 10, 9, and 13, 12, 1, and 2. They're there. I've memorized those a long time ago. It's kind of a road map that helps me, you know, like guide a person and understand that what his story is. But I want to tell you something that I think is even more important about how you share the gospel. Because if you're sharing the gospel with someone in, in a conversation mode, in a conversation mode, I want to bring up two important things. First, we learned from Philip in Acts 8. The second we learned from Paul in Acts 26. Philip was willing to go wherever God sent him. And it's kind of a neat 
story of where Philip was at, Philip was in a place where revival was breaking out. And God said, go over there where it's kind of lonely and it's a road and there's just going to be one guy. <laughs> you know, but he was faithful to what God said. So he goes on this road and he sees a, a man that was traveling from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. He was a eunuch and he was um, from Ethiopia. But he was a worshiper of God. He just didn't understand everything. He didn't know the gospel. And so it says in Acts 8, 29-31, the, the Lord put Philip there. The Spirit said to Philip, Go over, join his chariot. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading from Isaiah, the prophet. And Philip asked a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, Well, how can I? unless someone guides me or teaches me. And then he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip asked a simple question, do you understand what you're reading? I can help you. And so the man invited him up, and Philip began there. You see, I think that's kind of the key to sharing the gospel with someone, is you begin where they're at. You've got to begin where they're at. Because some people don't even believe that God exists. They're atheists. So you might have to start in Genesis with them. Some people believe God exists, but they don't believe he really cares about us little peons down here. They're agnostics. So you start in a different place with them. Some people have really bad experiences with previous churches. So you start there with healing from that. Start where they're at. That's how I think you share the gospel, just a key. The second one comes from Paul in Acts 26. And if you come to the class, I share this in a handout that will let you, guide you on how to share your testimony. If you've never written out your testimony before, that's what we do in step one. It's kind of cool. You get to kind of write that out, and there's four parts to sharing your testimony. Everyone should be able to share their testimony quickly, or in, length, in a longer um, fashion. But there's a before part of your testimony, which is all those unsatisfied needs that you had, that you had, and how you maybe tried to fulfill them the wrong way. That's the before. The how part, you know, what circumstances kind of brought you to that point of making the decision or, or seeing that Jesus was the answer. The after part, how did Jesus satisfy those needs that you had. And then this is the part that a lot of people don't really think about when they share their testimony. It's the closing statement. The question that you should ask when you share the story with someone else. There's a reason why you share your story. It's to generally prompt them to make a decision. I actually saw recently, I thought it was interesting, Peyton Manning, the Hall of Fame quarterback, was motivated at around age 13 to put his faith in Christ because his pastor said, are you 100% sure if you died today you would go to heaven? And there was something inside of him, apparently, that he wasn't 100% sure. So he came forward put his faith in Jesus Christ. What a great way to finish your testimony. Well, that's what Paul did in an awesome way in Acts 26. Paul had this crazy opportunity. 
He was actually imprisoned for sharing the gospel. The Jews were jealous. He was in jail, and he was pretty much on his way to Rome to, to go to Caesar. And uh, he is uh, locked up in this place, and a king visits and wants to hear from him. They kind of, you know, he's got kind of a, a famous, infamous status. And so Paul gets to share his testimony with a king, which is really neat. Well, he shares the testimony, the whole chapter, you can see it. He talks about his whole story. But then this is what I want you to see. In Acts 26, verse 27, King Agrippa, Paul says, Do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And King Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also everyone here listening might become like me. Well, except for those chains that he was wearing. So Paul urges everyone listening to put their faith in Jesus. And that's a key, I think, to sharing the gospel. How you do it is you, you come to a point where you're asking that person, hey, this is what God, you heard what I said. I shared my testimony with that young man. I drove him home. And on the way home, I said, hey, you heard how I surrendered my life. Would you like to do that too? I mean, it can't hurt to ask, as they say, right? We need to ask. And there's lots of ways to ask it. There's lots of ways to encourage people. Because you don't know what God is doing in their life. And he's taken down those walls so they can believe. All right, finally, we come to number seven. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's really only six who, what, where, when, why, how. There's only six, but we are studying Revelation now on Wednesday nights. If you want to come out and be a part of an awesome Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7, we've just started the book of Revelation. It's, it's getting real quick, is it not, folks? Some of you are, are coming. It's awesome. I'm loving it. But we're learning in Revelation that the number 7 comes up a lot. 7 means complete. So I couldn't stop with six questions, folks. i got to do 7. Seven makes it a complete sermon, okay? So I came up with, whom should you share the gospel? With whom should you share the gospel? I don't even know if that's good English, but that's why I was a math teacher. I know many Christians feel inviting someone to church is enough. I'm glad you do that. Don't stop inviting people to church. But what if they, come, they don't want to come to church? They have their reasons. Does your conversation about God end there? I mean, do you invite someone to church? Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, a friend, a family member, and you say, why don't you come to church with me? I can see you know, some things are going on in your life. You're asking some questions, whatever. And you invite them to church, and they're like, no, I don't do church. That's fine. But is that it? Is that where you stop? Or are you going to share the gospel with them? We have to be bold. We have to ask God to help us be bold. Listen, I want to give you a few examples as I close here. There were some people in the Bible that would never go to church either. Check this out. The woman caught in adultery. By her lifestyle, she was not going to church. She was living a life of prostitution. Or adultery, sleeping with another man. She was not going to church. But yet, she found herself in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, through his words, showed her the way 
to be forgiven. His words. She didn't have to go to church to get that. Nicodemus in John 3 was a really very religious man. He wasn't going to go out in public and listen to Jesus preach. So he went to Jesus in the middle of the night to talk to him. And Jesus told him what it means to be born again. And if you follow the gospel, that changed Nicodemus' life. He became a follower of Jesus. There were 12 young men busy making a life for themselves. Like many of our young people today, they didn't have time to go to church. They had work to do. They had fish to catch and sell. But Jesus asked them, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they did. And their lives were forever changed. The Philippian jailer thought he messed up. He was about to take his own life. But Paul stopped him. He shared the gospel with them, and it didn't just change his life, it changed his whole family's life. The gospel changes lives. It satisfies every unfulfilled need that any person can have in life. It brings us into a personal relationship with the Almighty God. It puts us on the right path to heaven. I'm coming back to Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Will you, will you join me in sharing the gospel? Let's pray. God, we come to you today. Maybe we have our, our walls up. Maybe we've already made up our mind that we're not going to do this. We're not going to share the gospel. Or maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit today has brought down those walls. Maybe, Lord, you've put some people in our life that need to hear the gospel. God, I pray that we would be bold, that we would be willing to share the gospel with them, that we could help them take the next step. And I pray, Father, for those that are here today that maybe have never really put their faith in you 100%. Lord, if they never did that. Maybe today they would. So they could be 100% sure. We put our faith in you, in your son. We are on the path to heaven. Step one, the starting point. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.